And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari. And this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude Fibber McGee and Molly from 1947. Then Herbert Marshall stars in a tale well calculated to keep us in suspense from 1953. By my side is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey. Well, we listened to the first portion of Fibber McGee and Molly last time. And uh, it would not be very nice if I didn't play the conclusion. Everybody's been waiting for it. I know. I'm waiting for it, too. All right. So let's go back to October 14th, 1947. This is called Catching Teeny's Cat. Here's Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, between us, we ought to be able to find the little blister. Hey, move over, Doc. I'm coming in. Hey, Doc, where are you? I'm way back here, Harlow. Just follow the buttons off my shirt. <laughs> okay. Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I think you ought to be ashamed of yourself, McGee. The idea of making those two men do your work for you. I didn't make them any do any such a thing for me. Besides, this will be good for Doc. Why? Well, work a little that tummy off him. You know, I was with Doc at a Kiwanis meeting last week, and they had a very good speaker. And when he got through, Doc just sits there. I says, why don't you clap your hands, Doc? I says, and he says, I can't. My hands don't meet in front. <laughs> well, now, just to say, oh, here comes Mr. Wilcox out again. You didn't stay long, Mr. Wilcox. I know. Uh, hey, give me a lift, will you, pal? Yeah. <clears throat> ah, thanks. Hey, how far back does that porch go, Molly? Well, you can crawl way back clear under the kitchen, Mr. Wilcox. Why, Junior? Because this is something I've always wanted to do. This is a great day for me, what folks. What are you talking about? Well, look, for year after year, I've been telling people about Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, how it brings out the beauty of the kitchen linoleum with such little effort. Mm-hmm. How you just pour out a little glow coat, yeah. spread it around, let it dry for 20 minutes mm-hmm. or less, no rubbing, no buffing, mm-hmm. how it beautifies and protects the linoleum, yeah. how it makes housework so much easier. Here. Gives a little woman so much more free time. Yes, 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 yes. We know all that, but what that got to do with Great Day? <laughs> well, this is the first time I ever saw a kitchen floor from underneath. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to find out if you could use glow coat on both sides of it, and you know something? I'd like to try it just for fun. <laughs> Look, waxy. <laughs> You, uh, you ever think of giving up this work and going back into Chautauqua? <laughs> no, I prefer radio. You do? Yes, I can get to more people and fewer people can get to me. <laughs> well, thanks for the look at the bottom of the floor, and I hope you find your cat. So long, now. So long, Junior. You know, McGee, we haven't heard a word from the doctor for some time. Yoo-hoo, doctor! Hey, Doc, are you all right? Yes, but I wish you'd keep quiet. This cat is frightened. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. Cats are high-strung animals, Molly. That's why they wind up as E-strings on violins. <laughs> I know 
a fiddler once tried to play at a dog show. It was awful. Every time a pup would bark, his fiddle string would raise up in the middle like an oh, hi, old-timer. Hello there, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kids. What you standing out here for, be There's a cat under our porch, Mr. Oldtimer. Oh, shucks, kids. You don't have to run out of the house just on account of a cat under the porch. They won't hurt you. I mind one time years ago, I lived in a swamp in Florida. Had crocodiles under the house all the time. One night, the biggest croc ever seen come waddling right into my bedroom. A big croc, eh? Yep. Know who it was? Cousin of mine named Jess Fiddleford. <laughs> Always crocked in them days, Jess was. I remember once I was... You know, an uncle with the same weakness, Mr. Oldtimer, my Uncle Dennis. Yeah, he's weak, all right. Can't even hold his foot up without a brass rail under it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I hear it. The way I hear it. What was that? The cat. Go. Well, the way I hear it, one feller says to tell the feller, he says, I hear that new army plane, the one that goes 1,500 miles an hour, I hear it killed a man the other day. Is that so, says t'other feller. Pilot, was he? Nope, says the first feller. Just a spectator. Tried to watch it go by and broke his neck. <laughs> Say, uh, Johnny. Yeah? About that cat, uh, ever stop to think that motherhood is, uh, I mean, maybe it was going to have some... Uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, it wouldn't matter. There's a doctor in attendance. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's good, kids. Well, see you later. McGee, I do wish the doctor would come out from under that porch. He's been there half an hour. Uh, if I couldn't find a cat any quicker than that, I wouldn't call myself a doctor. How are you doing, Doc? Give me five more minutes, children. By that time, I'll either have a cat or a collapse. Here, Aaron, here, kitty. You know, McGee, I think he's really enjoying this. Why, sure he is, and why not? No telephone calls, no nurses rushing in and out with their starched uniforms scratching up the interns. I wouldn't be surprised if Doc spent a little time under our porch every afternoon. <laughs> well, nobody would be more welcome under our porch, I'm sure. The doctor is... Oh, look, McGee, here comes Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Oh, hi, Wimp, old man. <laughs> Hello, folks. Hi. What are you looking so perturbed about, Mr. Wimple? I'm, I'm looking for a place to hide. Yeah? Sweetie Face is after me again. Oh. Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. <laughs> Yeah, we know, Wimp. What's she after you for this time? Well, it was just a misunderstanding, Mr. McGee. Yeah? She objected to the way I was drying my fish line. Well, oh. isn't that ridiculous? What difference does it make how you dry your fish line? It made quite a difference to her, Mrs. McGee. You should have seen her tumbling down the stairs. <laughs> tumbling down the stairs? Yes. It seems I had my fish line sort of stretched across the top of the stairs, and she tripped over it. <laughs> she seemed to think I had done it deliberately. <laughs> After all, she might have been seriously hurt, Mr. Wimple. Yeah, she might have been, but the fish line broke and she didn't trip very hard. Oh, I have a stronger line someplace, but I simply couldn't find it. What'd she do after she took the header, Wimp? Chase you out of the house? <laughs> no. <laughs> I ran up in the attic and I hid in the trunk. Oh. Our trunk is full, our attic is full of oh, trunks. Boy. Yes. And she knew I was in one of them, so you know what she did? She locked every one of them. Heavenly oh. days, including the one you were in? Yes. <laughs> I almost died laughing. You see, I had taken the bottom out of all the trunks long ago. 
Well, that's smart work, kid. Yes, but I better get out of sight. May I hide under your porch? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wimple, but Dr. Gamble is under there now. <laughs> he is? <laughs> My goodness, I didn't even know he was married. <laughs> well, I'll find some other place then. Thanks anyway, folks. Bye. <laughs> The greatest living Dodger since Cookie Lavagetto. How did he? Didn't I, Raymond? Ah, here, here, Doc. Let me take him. Come to Uncle Fipper, Kitty. That's it. I got him. Give me a hand, somebody. There. There. Ah. There Thanks, Molly. There. Nice to be out of there. Next time the coal miners strike, I won't be so unsympathetic. Oh, we certainly thank you for all your troubles, Doctor. Yeah, great work, Doc. Took you long enough, but it was great work. Now, about that broken leg, you little... <laughs> now, wait a minute, Doc. I... I can... Oh, hey, here comes Teeny. Hey, Teeny, here's your cat. Come on, Teeny, come and get him. I told you I'd get him for you, and we did. How do you like that we? <laughs> Hello there, Teeny. Here's your cat. Hi, Dr. Gamble. Hi, Miss McGee. Hi, Mr. McGee. Well, here's your kitten, Teeny. Give it to her, McGee. Now, here, sis. Come on, take it away. Hmm? Take it. Take your cat. Get it out of here. Oh, that isn't my cat, Mr. McGee. What? No, I was just playing with that thing for a while this morning. Oh. I don't want the dirty old thing. <laughs> well, I gotta go home now and feed my doggie. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for the banana splits, Mr. McGee. Why, that little... <laughs> I, uh... <clears throat> I say, Molly, may I use your bathtub? Why, sure, Doc. Help yourself. You know where to find the soap and towels, Doctor. I'm not going to need soap and towels. I just want to drown your husband after I break his leg. <laughs> I, now, look, now, look. I can explain. Now, you wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't strike a man with a kitten in his arms. Got to run down to the newsstand, Molly. Be right back. What's all the hurry? Dinner's almost ready. I got to get a magazine. Somebody told me there's an article about us in this issue. Out today. Hey, you got any change? No, I haven't. Oh, never mind. I'll charge it as usual. The newsstand guy don't like it, but he does it for what me. What magazine has our pictures in it? Look magazine. Hey, why don't you come with me? While he gives me a dirty look, you can grab a clean one, huh? <laughs> don't you get it, Molly? It ain't funny, McGee. It ain't? Well, it's hard to hold that terrific pace right up to the end. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's Fibber McGee and Molly from October 14, 1947, starring Jim and Mary and Jordan, sponsored by Johnson's Wax, is heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's suspense. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Black Panther, rated PG-13. It's based on the Marvel comic book character that raises the bar in comic book films. It truly is a cultural landmark that embraces and celebrates an Afrocentric worldview while featuring the tensions surrounding race, class, and gender in our own world today. Let's take a listen. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. 
don't freeze. I never freeze. Director Ryan Coogler knocks it out of the park. Here's another clip. I waited my entire life for this. The world's going to start over. I'm going to burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You know, the film really doesn't focus on superheroes, but on family and the sins of our fathers and the flawed heroes they can be. The bottom line, oh, I'm way in on this one. Four stars out of four. There is so much to love about this movie. The creative visuals, engaging action, and likable characters make Black Panther the best movie so far of 2018. Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Angela Bassett, and Lupita Nojou all are fantastic in this film. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Hi, Carl Amari here for Remind Magazine, America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind Magazine focuses on a pop culture theme from the 1950s to the 1980s, covering a wide spectrum of topics from Marilyn Monroe to Marilyn Manson. In every 50-plus page issue of Remind Magazine, you'll find dozens of puzzles, movie posters, trivia contests, classic comics, crossword puzzles, vintage advertisements for products from days gone by, and much more. And every issue features my column, Radio 360, where I focus on a celebrity from Hollywood's golden age and write about his or her radio work. And next to my article is the monthly schedule of the classic radio shows I'll be playing each month so you'll never miss your favorites. Remind Magazine is available at Barnes & Noble and Walmart stores throughout the country. But because I write for this magazine, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can get Remind Magazine for about 60% less than the newsstand price by ordering it online at RemindMagazine.com. Visit RemindMagazine.com and subscribe today. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. And don't forget, we have a website for this show, Hollywood360radio.com. We also have a Facebook page, too, right, Lisa? We do, Hollywood 360 Radio. And I post a schedule on there at the beginning of each week for the end of that week. So you wow. can always check that. Or, of course, you can go to Remind Magazine. Aren't you Magazine. too busy getting your nails done and stuff like that? I can do it all at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty good getting at Getting a pedicure and... 
massage and well, uh, you know, while they're doing the massage, right. I'm on Hollywood on 360 there. Radio that Facebook. That's oh, how wow. it works. Very good. You can multitask. I can. You can't, I can't. but I can. No. It's <laughs> one thing at a time, and I don't do that very well. And if you're doing something, nobody can speak to you. No. Nope. I don't hear anything. I I have just tunnel vision. I've noticed. Right. That. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I. What are you gonna do? Right? But I'm still here doing old time radio. Yes, you are. I don't know why, but I am. Because <laughs> maybe you're good at that. <laughs> I hope so. I Thanks, hope so Lisa. Too. Let's go back to October 5th, 1953. Herbert Marshall stepped before the CBS microphones for a show called Action. Here's part one of Suspense. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Herbert Marshall in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents the story of a man who, having no fear, attempted his own death. A new dramatization of C.E. Montague's Action. Our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. And now, Autolite presents... Action, starring Mr. Herbert Marshall, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. It happened very simply one Monday morning. I woke up and there was a slight numbness all down my right side. The arm, fingers, a good deal along the leg, rather less in my foot and just a little in the head. I lay still for a moment to let it pass off, but it didn't. And I suddenly knew that it wasn't going to. I'd heard about such things, other chaps at the club, the office. Now it had happened to me. I remember getting up. I could still stand, walk, dress and shave. But the numbness went on. That morning, instead of walking, I took the tram to the office. It was a pleasant autumn day, and there were a lot of young people aboard, healthy young people. The conductor moved down the passageway, collecting fares. Yes, please. Here you please, please. Here are please, sir. Wellington Avenue, please. That's uh, Thrupney, sir. Right, you are. Oh, now, we don't take buttons, sir. I am sorry, I, I thought... That's I... quite all right, sir. Does rather look like silver. And let's see. Ah, here's a threepenny bit, sir. Thank you. Any more fears, please? Your fears, please. His tact and sympathy were perfect. And I had a new care now. Sight, too. Was that going? Sight, touch, the whole sensory business. Losing precision. Entering on the long slope to decay. I don't think I got much work done that morning. Going away, what I did was good for me. Get my mind off things. I had a quarter to one appointment with an old friend, Adrian Tillett, whom I hadn't seen for a month or two. We'd arranged to meet at my club. I was a little early and sat in my usual place to wait for him. I say, Bill. Yes? Did you hear about Chitterhouse? They brought his birdie back to England yesterday. Yeah, I know, yes. You've done some mountaineering yourself, haven't you? A bit. <laughs> Lost if I know what you fellows see in it. Bloody awful way to die, if you ask me, falling off a mountain. I suppose there are worse ways. Uh, try to tell that to his wife. Well, I, I'm feeling a bit peckish. Will you join me for lunch? Thanks very much. I'm waiting for someone. All right, sure. 
Hello, Ben. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. No, you haven't. I've just got here myself. Oh, oh, hold on. Teddy. I say, you look seedy. Feeling all right? Yes, splendid. Come along, we'll have a bite to eat. Good. I'm famished. That's better. Cigar? Thanks. What about you? I, I don't think so. Uh, look here, Val. Is anything wrong? I mean, well, you... You look like a dying duck in a thunderstorm. Something I can do? I'm afraid not. Serious? I suppose it is. In a way. If you uh, want to talk about it... I'm, I might as well. I woke up this morning... And I felt numb. The right side. I must have had some sort of a stroke during the night. Have you been to the doctor? No. I don't think I shall. You know as well as I do what he'd say. But my dear old boy, you can't let a thing like that uh, just go. I don't intend to be an invalid for the rest of my life to it. I've seen this happen to people, so have you. End up in a bath chair, being fed by some harridan nurse who won't even let you wipe her own nose. No thanks. What are you going to do? I don't know yet. The big thing seems to be... How long? How long does a thing like this take? Men like you, you live to be a hundred. You're an active chap. There's no reason on earth why you... No, that's just it. I don't follow. I don't want to live to any age like this. I... Say, uh, why not come up to my place on Friday? Spend the weekend... Change of air will do you good. No, I really don't think that. Uh, don't be an idiot. Marjorie's dying to see you. She she always complains that you've given us up. Now, I'm going to expect you. The stream's awfully good this year. We'll do some fishing, right? Right, thanks. Thanks, to it. That's the first portion of Suspense. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Suspense. The rest of the week passed, and the sensation of numbness remained with me. Sometimes a bit more, or less. At nights I thought. I thought a great deal. On Friday I drove down to Weybridge. It was obvious that Tillett had told his wife about me. It didn't matter much, except I found myself annoyed at her solicitude. I suppose she couldn't help it. But it was one of the things that definitely made up my mind. I knew what I was going to do. And I told my old friend. We were on the bank of the stream. He'd just landed a nice trout. And we sat down for a smoke. I've made up my mind what to do, Tillett. Oh? Yes. I wondered. Had an idea you were up to something. You've been rather quiet, you know. I'm sorry. Is it any better? No, no, not the same. I had a dream just before I came down here. I was climbing. It was on a crag that became steeper and steeper as I went up. First it was vertical, and then it overhung more and more until I was actually 
climbing a reverse slope. It must have been awkward. Oh, it's been done, you know. Has it? Yes, I've heard about it, but I've never done it myself. What happened in your dream? I fell. Woke up. Well, I thought a lot about it. It's that margin of safety, you know. One does a lot of climbing, and if you're any good at all, you don't slip in the really difficult places. But supposing you... You pair away at the margin of safety. An experiment. What could you do before all the margin was gone? If you didn't care. I don't know. I haven't tried climbing. If one cut out the old fear of death, one could do some amazing things. Is that what you're going to do? I think so. Yes. Look for one of those crags? Yes, I've, I've never done that. I know of one I'd like to try. Zenal, the Charlie it's a ridge of the Weisshorn. Sounds impressive. Oh, there are higher mountains, but not many more interesting. If you want to be a human fly, why not try the chalk pit down the road? Straight up and down. Not so far to fall. That <laughs> wouldn't do. No. It wouldn't, would it? I'm not going to say anything, Bell. There's nothing one can say, really. I wish you wouldn't do it. And I understand why you think you must. When will you leave? Next week. The snows will be coming at the end of the month. Not much sense in making it too dangerous, is there? No. Not much sense in that. Ten days later, I arrived at Zanal and met an old guide I'd known for many years. His name was Gaspar. And he knew the mountains of the Alps as very few men know them. He and his wife ran the hotel, and after dinner, it was my first night there... We talked over a cognac. Uh, it is good to see you again, my friend. I repeat, what a surprise, and so late in the year. I remember July was my month, wasn't it? Ah, those days. We did some fine climbing, you and I, fine. And where shall we go this time? My time is my own, and now yours. The amateurs have gone. We shall climb for sport, huh? Perhaps so. I, uh, I want to try the west side of the Charlie Hook. Good, good. Hope you won't be upset, Gaspar. First time I go up, I mean to do it alone. Alone? Yes. Did you say the west side? That's right. May I speak of something I've noticed? Of course. When I saw you today, I, I, I noticed something, a, a slight limp. You have been in an accident? Uh, no, just a little stiffness. You have done some climbing since we last were together? Not much. But the west side of the ridge for a man out of condition, is that wise? I don't see why not. When do you plan to start? Tomorrow. I have never tried it myself. I'll give you a full report. Yes, I hope you will. The last man who tried it never came back. He fell. And we still have not found the body. That night, before I went to bed, I sat for a little while, alone in the smoking room. I had nothing to do, no goodbyes, no last letter to write, no will to be made. That was done and accounted for. I felt my right arm and leg with the fingers of my left hand, still numb, that strange, unfeeling feeling. After that, I read for a bit, then turning out the lamp, went to my room. 
The next morning was dazzling, the soft green valley meadowland sparkling, and above against the bluest of skies, the mountains. The autumn sun was warm, and as I decided to travel as lightly as possible, I was glad for that. Leaving the hotel, I made my way past the cow barn, the tiny post office, and on toward the path which led gently upward. I must have been walking for about five minutes when he caught up with me. Herbert! Oh, I, I nearly missed you. you. You were gone before I knew you. Oh, good morning, Gaspar. Uh, a beautiful morning for your climb. I, I thought if you did not mind that I would walk with you to the bridge. Well, I don't mind in the least. My wife was worried. I'm sorry to hear that. About you. My wife is a woman who has premonitions. <laughs> you know women. Yes, she needn't have worried, you know. As I told her, you are one of the best. Still, she could not understand why you would suddenly appear and decide to climb the most difficult place on the mountain. Surely she knows mountaineers. Yes, she knows them. And she knows they do not attempt such things without a little practice of flexing of unused muscles. I'm in splendid form, Gaspar. Up there. That is where you go, huh? The bulge. Yes. And when you have conquered that, you will come back? What an odd question. Exactly what I told my wife. She had a premonition that all was not well with you. You will have to reassure her, won't you, Gaspar? Yes, I shall, my friend. I'll say goodbye here. Yes, I... I wish... You will be all right, Abel. Remember to conserve your energy, and when you reach the top... Come back to us. You will come back. Yes. Good luck. I left the old guide at the wooden bridge and walked on. The place I'd picked to climb was on the west side of the Charihawk. It's a dip in the ridge that joins the Weisshorn to the Charihorn. The lowest point of the dip is over 12,000 feet. The last part of the rise to the ridge is a wall of ice that undulates like a sheet of hammered copper, concave at one point, convex at another, and at two or three parts it overhangs. How much I did not know, but you could see it. And it was the underside of that overhang I was going to climb. I would try to do it honestly, get to the ridge and prove that in this small matter, where there is no fear of death, a man can do more than he knows. My timetable began quite on schedule. Three hours' work up to the Arpeteta Alp from Zenal. Three more up from the Alp to the foot of the ice wall. Half an hour for food, another half an hour for final preparations. Then I was at that point. The wall of ice. And above the great overhanging bulge. It stood out above me like, like a gigantic blister on the face of the ice. Must have been 40 feet in diameter. And it jutted so much that a stone dropped from its outermost point would only have touched the slope again some hundred feet lower. To reach that outermost point, I knew I would have to climb for about 20 feet as you climb up the underside of a ladder that leans against the wall. And I would have to make the ladder, rung by rung, fashion each one 
out of ice with my axe held in one hand while with the other hand on both feet I'd cling to the three rungs already made. Each rung would have to be like a, a letterbox in a door. Big enough for the toe of my boot to go into, but shaped so that when my hand entered, the fingers could bend down inside and grip as you grip the top of a fence. Then I was there, and the overhang was before me. The work was amazingly hard. I'd only carved five letterboxes and used them, and an hour had gone. Five more, and daylight was failing. My left hand was chilled, almost dead with the ice it had gripped, and my right hand swollen and sore from the constant use of the axe. My right knee began to shake uncontrollably, and I almost laughed. Chattering teeth. I looked up, and some eight feet above was the goal. Beyond it, I could see nothing but a tranquil sky with a rose-colored flush dying out of it. And suddenly, very clearly, as a complete matter of fact, I knew I couldn't get up those eight feet. My strength was going. I was about finished. And then, because the will is there until the end, I, I tried again. Tried. But the axe barely scratched the ice. My left hand was frostbitten past feeling. Only five more feet to go. But five more than I could drive myself to. This was the finish then. What I'd set out to do. And now it was the end. I'm done. I didn't know why. I was still holding on. Holding. It was queer. Something was very queer. I felt little chips of ice stinging my cheeks as they slid down from above. Was an ice avalanche coming? <laughs> what did it matter? Let the ice do what it wanted. My business with it was done. Then... Then there was a sound. A gnawing. A hissing sound. I saw the ice axe slide over the bulge overhead and move out over my head to drop far below. Someone was above me. And suddenly, I don't know why, there was... There was a lightness in me. No more dream. No more dying. I had to go up. Up and quickly. No longer the care in cutting the steps. Now they were marvels of inadequacy. I didn't think about it. Just ice cuts deep enough for a footing to raise up to cut the next. And the next. And it must have been three minutes. Perhaps less. When my chest came up to the dead center of the bulge and I... I saw what I had come for. It was a woman dangling at a long rope's end, her body revolving a little as it hung against the steep ice and holding the rope, perhaps 80 feet above her, the man, his ice axe driven well into the slope behind, holding well with one hand, the other gripping the rope. Cut the rope, Teddy, cut it. I'm done. Killing me, cut it. You must. You, you can get down. The children think of... You must. It's killing me. Well, hold, sir. Hold on. It's all right. 
I'm coming. Hold on. I felt like a fool. Absolute freedom from uneasiness concerning my own plight. For I still wasn't up myself. But I never liked heroics. And this sounded horribly, disgustingly heroic. And I kept it up. And I had to. There in two minutes. Hold on. One minute more. Just one. Almost. Hold on. Hold on. Half a jiffy. I'm just there. And I'd arrived over the bulge. A foothold on an upward slope. I cut a big step close to where her feet hung. Planted my own firmly in it and took her weight on my shoulder. Slowly the man above paid out the rope till she was by my side. Standing safe. You're... You're quite a happy sight. Have you got her? All right? Yes. Right as rain. Give us a moment or two. Then dig in and we'll come up. Yes. Yes, all right. The last daylight was gone when the three of us stood on the level roof of the ridge. I tried my best not to look at him or at her. These are things best not observed. I think she stayed in his arms for a long moment. I... Well, we... Well, you understand. Thanks. Thanks for our lives. Oh, Lord, I just happened to be there. Luck, that's all. Yes. Luck. I suppose we'd better push off. Getting a little chilly. It was luck. There was a full moon, and the downward trail was something else from the way I'd come up. We none of us spoke. I don't think a single word all the way back. And then the village, the hotel, and she was put to bed, alive, tired. It was only after that in the smoking room that I learned their names. His name was Gollan, Theodore Gollan. The woman upstairs, his wife, Hillary. And because he seemed to feel himself under some sort of obligation to me, I told him about myself, my crime, why. And when I finished, he said, Look here, I'm a doctor, and I know about such things. Tell me, when you were making that last climb over the bulge, did that numbness cramp you, or did you notice it? No. It had been there, but not the last ten minutes. And you were in action. Action? Yes, I mean doing something, something you're absorbed in, lost in. Yes. I see. And that's the way it should be, you know. What you've got, the numbness, that will stay with you, but uh, does it matter quite as much as you thought? No. I don't think so. You won't try that sort of thing again. No. Then it's going to be all right. Yes. It's going to be all right. Suspense. 
Presented by Autolite, the night star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. This is Harlow Wilcox again, speaking for Autolite. It's always good to welcome back our longtime friend, Herbert Marshall. Bart, we enjoyed every minute of tonight's story. Thanks, Harlow. You can certainly depend on Autolite for wonderful entertainment. C.E. Montague's action was adapted for suspense by Anthony Ellis. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Featured in the cast were Ellen Morgan, Harley Bear, Herb Butterfield, Richard Peel, and Ben Wright. Herbert Marshall will soon be seen in Riders to the Stars, Ivan Tor's Technicolor production for United Artists. This is the CBS Radio Network. And that's Suspense from October 5th, 1953, with Action, starring Herbert Marshall. Also in the cast, Parley Bear, Herbert Butterfield, and Ben Wright, sponsored by Autolite, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. Hi, Carl Amari here for Remind Magazine, America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind Magazine focuses on a pop culture theme from the 1950s through the 1980s, covering a wide spectrum of topics from Marilyn Monroe to Marilyn Manson. In every 50-plus page issue of Remind Magazine, you'll find dozens of puzzles, movie posters, trivia contests, classic comics, crossword puzzles, vintage advertisements for products from days gone by, and much more. And every issue features my column, Radio 360, where I I focus on a celebrity from Hollywood's golden age and write about his or her radio work. And next to my article is the monthly schedule of the classic radio shows I'll be playing each month so you'll never miss your favorites. Remind Magazine is available at Barnes & Noble and Walmart stores throughout the country. But because I write for this magazine, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can get Remind Magazine for about 60% less than the newsstand price by ordering it online at RemindMagazine.com. Visit RemindMagazine.com and subscribe today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's Call the Police, The Adventures of Maisie, Rocky, Fortune starring Frank Sinatra, The Cavalcade of America, The Doris Day Show, and Somebody Knows. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. <laughs> 